0: Welcome back to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Lucas Stock, and with me, as usual, is Jens Nelson. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we explore, discuss, and grow as followers of Christ. On today's Christian of hist- Christians of History episode, apparently that's a tongue twister, I didn't realize. <laughs> um, Jens is going to introduce us to a really cool figure that i know a little bit about but not a lot um lemuel lemuel i'm just gonna say lemuel haynes again another hard to pronounce name yeah (laughs) it's a new theme it's just what we do here (laughs) yeah um yeah so why don't you take it away and let us know about brother haynes right all right so
1: lemuel haynes he was born july 18th you know coming up in about a month uh, but in the year 1753, and he was born in West Hartford, Connecticut. So, again, we have another uh, early American. I mean, technically, we weren't even a country yet. We were still colonies. So uh, Lemuel has a little bit of confusion <laughs> regarding his, uh, his, his I guess, parentage. Is that a word? The people that were his parents were not 100% sure gotcha. Uh, gotcha. who they were. Interesting. Uh, it's reported that his mother was Caucasian and uh, likely a woman of status while his dad uh, was an unknown african or african-american uh, but the actual identity of his mother is what has long been debated we basically know that his dad we have no idea was never around almost impossible at this point to figure out um whereas be any records if he was right
0: he was a, a, slave, a
1: slave or, or something, something. Gotcha. right but the the mother is the one who there's some real con- confusion about. Um, so, it, the most common theory is that this mother, <clears throat> excuse me, was a servant named either Lucy or Alice Fitch. So, I'm guessing like it's two girls who were sisters or something, or I don't really know why there's the difference in name. Um, but whoever, Lucy or Alice Fitch, worked for the John Haynes family. Another theory suggests that Fitch uh, was actually a stand in for the real mother to conceal her identity. According to this theory, um, his mother was a member of a prominent family and was not yet married and wanted to avoid the scandal of having, well, a child out of wedlock, but also a child um, with, you know, an African or an African-American man. Mm-hmm. So there was, you know, man. so whatever, whatever happened as far as his mother goes, whoever she was, um, she was, regardless of the situation, a, a prominent woman, a, probably a woman from a wealthy family um, who wasn't married had relations with a man and um, wound up having a child. And so um, in either case, Ms. Fitch was fired by the Haynes family after she was accused of basically being the mother. And so she, she gave her son the last name Haynes either out of wanting to give him a name of respectability or to like stick it to the Haynes family. Again, they're not really sure about that because her last name is not Haynes. Huh? Interesting. So and sad. so I know, and it gets even more sad because the mother abandoned the baby at the age of five or months, sorry, not five years at five months. Oh, man. So this, this baby was very new, uh, five months old and was given over into indentured servitude to Deacon David Rose, who was a blind farmer in Massachusetts. So like, this is just How? like all kinds How? of interesting, know. <laughs> 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 um, but basically, part of being an indentured servant for the Rose family meant that he had to be educated. Mm. Um, another part of it was to be in attendance with the Rose family at church each and every week. And so it was here that Haynes was exposed to Calvinistic theology, which, you know, I'm all I'm all down Uh-oh. for. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, this if you think about it, you know, in 1753, when he was born, you know, when he's growing up, this is right. like in the era of. Jonathan Edwards, George Whitefield, Great Awakening. Um, mm-hmm. So these men these men were huge influences to Haynes in his theological upbringing. So he spent his days. So if you, if you want to think about what, what it was like to be an indentured servant, uh, he spent his days working the farm, and at nights he was attending the plantation schools. Uh, it's interesting, a household Saturday evening custom was to read sermons from the local church. And on one such evening, Haynes was reading a rousing sermon. When when he was asked who the author was, he acknowledged that he had written it, that it was like his work. And so it was like from that point that Haynes was frequently called upon to write, proofread, and preach sermons. So even like as a wow. young kid, he he had this gift for writing, this knack for, for proclaiming God's word. And so at the age of 21, according to his indentured servitude agreement, so from... Age five months old till twenty one, um, he was a servant. But in in seventeen seventy four, uh, he was freed. And if you think about what the heck was going on in seventeen seventy four, do you have any idea, Lucas? What what would have been going on?
0: Um, I think that was the year of the Spanish flu. Nope, uh, it was the American <laughs>
1: Revolution. <laughs> so, in, interestingly, he joined the war efforts and fought pretty valiantly oh, in, in wow. you know, the places that he did fight. And I'm pretty sure when I read that, they're they're a little hazy on this fact too. Uh, but he joined whatever battalion shortly after, like the Battle of Concord. Um, if that puts oh, wow. if was, like, everything right in perspective, like historically. Um, but he he fought. Like I said, pretty valiantly until he contracted typhus, I think is how you say that, and had to, to return home. And so it was during this time, so after leaving the war, that he began to write. And really, he was writing, criticizing the slave trade and just slavery in general. Um, he, he also prepared sermons and other theological works. And in 1780, so just a couple years after leaving the war, he received his license to preach. After studying theology with members of, of various churches. And it was during this time that he met Elizabeth Babbitt, who was a white school teacher, and they, they married and she bore 10 children. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Like they, they list like the years that they were born and the years that they lived to. And like some of their kids lived almost to the 1900s. Um, so it's just kind of weird that it's and wow. America is such a new country that like we can, it's not hard to trace. You know, mm. even just a couple generations back, and we're right. already in our nation's founding days.
0: That's crazy. Right? So, uh,
1: he was officially... I knew. Or-
0: I went to... When I was in fourth and fifth grade, I went to school with a, with a kid whose last name was Babbitt. Uh-oh. In Massachusetts. Maybe there's, maybe there's some
1: relation. So, I mean, it's I wonder northeast. <laughs> <laughs> um So, I, like I mentioned, 1780 is when he received his license to preach, and it was in 1785 that he was ordained as a pastor. So he actually, in 1785, became what is most likely, again, history is a little hazy on a lot of this because there isn't a lot of records regarding you know Africans and African-Americans. So it might not be the case, but most say that he was the first African-American in the U.S. to achieve this status of of being ordained as a pastor. So he pastored for roughly 30 years um, in Vermont, in Connecticut, and it was almost exclusively to white congregations. And, you know, if you think about it, he, he has a little, I mean, he's, he's not fully African. I mean, he, his mother is, is, you know, probably British or some form of Caucasian. So she's white. Father is African mm-hmm. or African American. So he, he, he might not look as dark as, um, as someone who would be fully African. And so sometimes that played into his favor. Um, but a lot of his congregants were still
0: very racist, very prejudiced, mm-hmm. very um, Man, you know, rude imagine, and cruel like... to him. Like being that way to your own minister. Right. Like, the person being, who's your being, pastor. Receiving that from a congregant. Like I can't obviously I can't imagine at all, because I've never right. been in, you know, a minister of, of a congregation. But like I just can't imagine that just makes it so much more crazy than just being an African American pastor at that time to begin with.
1: And for thirty years. Yeah, not right. just
0: like a couple days a couple weeks we're
1: talking like a <laughs> lifetime i'm 25 i'm not even 30 yet right um, if Man. that helps put it in perspective for you um so he continued to write a lot i mean he obviously as a pastor he you know especially a calvinistic pastor um he had a lot of focuses a lot of um really solid theological preaching but in his in his writings he wrote he wrote a lot about slavery. Um, wanting to fight against it, wanting to fight against the slave trade that was taking place. Um, And like I said, being a Calvinist, he was actually, he he was firm in his belief that God's providential plan would defeat slavery and would lead to the integration of the races as as equals. And so obviously this was something that did not happen in his lifetime. Um, And even some would argue today still has yet to happen and who knows when or if it ever will happen. Um, But despite all of the hardship despite all of the even you know persecution that he likely faced um, he was firm in his belief that god is good god is sovereign he's working providentially in the world and if not now in the future this will be defeated and so it's interesting in in 1818 he was dismissed from his rutland parish um, due to his federalist politics and his criticism of the war of 1812 and uh, so that's that's the reasons they cite for his dismissal from being a pastor, like that he was a Federalist and he criticized the war. Um, but there's also a lot of speculation that they were displeased because he was black. Uh, you know, obviously racism. So he, he died at the age of 80 in South Granville, New York. And this, this is this I I really liked this part when I came across this where um, on his gravestone. So if you, I'm pretty sure you can still go there today. If you were to go to his gravestone, he himself wrote his epitaph, and it reads, Here lies the dust of a poor, hell-deserving sinner who ventured into eternity, trusting wholly on the merits of Christ for salvation. In the full belief of the great doctrines he preached while on earth, he invites his children and all who read this to trust their eternal interest in the same foundation. And, like, man, imagine, like, just being somebody walking through a, a, a cemetery and you see that, like, now that's an epitaph. That's that's yeah. a, a legacy to leave behind. A poor, hell-deserving sinner who ventured into eternity trusting wholly on the merits of Christ and Christ alone for salvation. I thought that wow. was a, a good way Amen. to, you know, think about a man and the way that he lived his life. And I, we, you and I, Lucas, especially, you know, as just two Caucasian dudes really can't even imagine what it's like to live as African-Americans in 21st century America but like imagine living Let in alone, 18th yeah. century <laughs> America wow. and being a pastor of a predominantly, if not exclusively white congregation, sure. yeah. it's, it's pretty crazy. So maybe just a couple interesting facts as we close um, middlebury college, which I have no idea what that is, but middlebury college, if you go there, shout out, you know, cool, whatever um, your, your school granted Haynes an honorary master of arts in 1804 which was the first honorary degree ever bestowed upon an African-American. So if if you've ever received an honorary degree, um, you're in a long and great history, I guess, of where this sort of stems from. Um, Another interesting fact, nearly 150 years after his death, so probably relatively recently, a manuscript um, written by Haynes around 1776 was discovered. And Mm. in it, he boldly states that um, he said he stated that an African has an undeniable right to his liberty. The treatise went on to condemn slavery as sin, and it pointed mm-hmm. to the irony of, of slave owners fighting for their own liberty while denying it to others. And so if you wow. think about like in 1776, what was going on in a revolutionary war, you know, a bunch of Caucasians fighting for their own liberty. We want mm-hmm. freedom. We don't want to be oppressed by, you know, British rule. We, we want to be free right. states. He, he, you know, wrote a lot about the irony and the fact that, like, you're fighting for your liberty, you're fighting for your freedom, but you're restricting it to people that you've kidnapped from their homelands. <laughs> like, there's obviously some some real irony there. So, um, but it's interesting, 150 years after his death, we find this writing, and, and you know, it was probably read back then, but was lost until relatively recently. So that was the life of Lemuel Haynes, and it's one that I think was super fascinating the more that I read about it. And the thing is, too, there's not a ton... Of information that we have on him, I know there's a couple of biographies that where people have some information, and we have a couple of his his writings that have survived. But you know, to think about thirty years of ministry, like I I know a, a handful, like out of the thousands of pastors that are, you know, I I can probably name you know that are big names or whatever, I can only name a handful that have been faithful in ministry for thirty years. And given his context in his situations that it is it's truly a testament not to his own endurance and ability but to Christ working in and through him and I don't know I thought it was pretty cool pretty cool story
0: definitely yeah i i um had the opportunity i read a sermon i just pulled it up because it's actually still on my computer it was delivered in 1791 um but it was a sermon that he preached i read it for one of my classes and at Moody and it was um I don't remember a lot about it but I just remember it being a really good read um kind of hard to read like old it is. Old-timey <laughs> old timey congregational puritan type uh sermons you know um but definitely definitely worth reading his sermons if if I I don't I don't really know like I have that one cuz it was given to me by the professor but like I don't I don't know The best place to go to to read his sermons or yeah there are actually a
1: number of books i I actually like was so fascinated by by doing this that i I looked up on amazon just his name and books Mm. and and some come up and there's i can never pronounce the dude's name um but it's like tabidi Buile. i probably completely mm -hmm. butchered his name (laughs) but he has a number of he has like several books that actually he's written like i think one's like a biography there's one that has, like, biography, but also some of his works, which is the one that I got. So, like, I actually purchased online um, Man, one of his books to, to read to more list. about him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
1: We'll put those in the notes, maybe, just in case you're wondering what where you could find more right. info. Awesome.
0: Sweet. Anything else to say about Lemuel Haynes? That's it. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you for researching and, and sharing that with us, and thank you listeners for tuning in to today's Christians of History episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you can hit us up on Instagram or Twitter at Doxology Podcast. You can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, whether it's feedback, questions, episode ideas for a Christians of History or a regular episode. Um, you can also sign up for our weekly email newsletter to give you updates on episodes that are coming out and happenings in the life of doxology podcast. Um, Please check out logos.com slash doxology podcast. Once again, we're super excited and grateful to be sponsored by logos. And if you want to find out more about logos, more about their Bible study software um, and the tools and the resources that they offer, once again, that link would be logos.com slash doxology podcast um whether it's on social media email or carrier pigeon we'd love to hear from you and we look forward to coming back later in well i guess this is a friday episode next week peace